It's the M&S Monthly Podcast Show for everything business and entrepreneurship and the best business tips and secrets with your hosts, Michael and Simon. It's the M&S Monthly Podcast Show. Hello, Simon. Hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. On today's show, we are going to be speaking about a walk we did last week. The walk is called The Pilgrim's Way. It takes you from Southwark Cathedral by London Bridge. And 110 miles approximately later, we will arrive at Canterbury Cathedral. I just want to mention the full Pilgrim's Way starts at Winchester Cathedral and ends in Canterbury just by the cathedral. This week's talk, cut. This week's walk, we started at the Rangers House in Greenwich, London, just by the park, and ended in Erith. According to my roadmap, the course measured only 13 miles, but we were astounded to log the distance to near 18 miles. Wow, what an amazing walk we did, Simon. And the such variety in the different landmarks we saw along the way and the conversations we had, some of which we, are, we will share on today's podcast. Are you ready, Simon? Yes, I am, Michael. Let's go for it. What did you find most spectacular about this walk last week? I loved the point you just touched upon, which was the diversity of this walk. We started in London, busy Greenwich Common, and walked across there. And it was, you know, just lovely to see all the people out and the sunshine. We had really nice weather again, which is really helpful when you're on a long walk. And we went through some lovely parts up Shooter's Hill, which again was busy, and then to that little castle that I didn't even know existed, huddled in the forest there just at the top of the hill. And the history behind that is fascinating. And then the path took us out in towards the country and towards the abbey there, and it just got more and more beautiful from then on until we came to, I think it must have been the edge of Erith, when we started to walk into industrial, huge industrial parks, didn't we? Um, Big, big Morrisons with vans as far as the eye could see, Tesco's out there, some really big warehouses, and then up to the river, and it got even more industrial with, you know, um, where the ships come in and they they, um, are, are depositing, a lot of it looked like gravel. We're importing a lot of gravel for roads and things like that, it seemed to me anyway. And, you know, it was fascinating, wasn't it? Just the change. And even in amongst all that industrialization, there's a little patch of ground with a horse on it. You know, there's the, 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 the remnants of a field that's just left there and, and it's the only little space that someone can put their horse. And I felt a bit sorry for this horse to be surrounded by concrete. Um, but, you know, just... That mix of the bygone age and the history with 
today's modern industrialization created an incredible blend of sites that we saw along the way. You know, the first pilgrims who took this walk started in AD 1127. Such a long time ago. Wow. With so much variety that we saw. Yes, and they would have predominantly seen forests and um, walkways. You know, they wouldn't have seen the industrialization that we've seen. Um, but you can see that some of those original paths through those forests are still there, aren't they? From around the abbey and from the abbey, they're still there, uh, and which makes it even more fascinating that you know you've trod almost on hallowed ground. You know, you've followed these pilgrims making their way either from Winchester or even from New Anglia or, or the Anglia area. Uh, they come across the river and they all join up at Erith and then they're walking down from Erith towards Canterbury Cathedral. Really fascinating. You mentioned the Abbey. That's Lessness Abbey in Abbey Wood. What did you think about that? Well, again, it's an amazing piece of history, isn't it? Um, clearly a very proactive abbey, quite a size. When you look at the original construction, there's a model of it there or a picture of a model of it. Um, but again, a hint of sadness because, you know, they were uh, pretty harmless monks, I would suggest, who King Henry VIII decided, um, you know, he would, he would burn down all the abbeys or all the all the religious sites that had anything to do with the uh, Catholic faith. Um, so this enabling him to create the equivalent of the Church of England um, and all the history that goes around that with Sir Thomas Beckett and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not a great historian, Michael, so I'm not sure of all my facts around the history, but it makes you want to learn more about history and understand the role it's played in the makeup of our nation now, because really we're, we are what we are because of the history that we have. Such an incredible point you make on the basis that when we stood on the top of Shooter's Hill, we saw an old road marker saying that Dartford was only seven miles away. But what I realised is that from our many walks we've walked together in the past couple of years, why do most of the actual walks appear and actually be longer than the, uh, than the actual route itself? Because although on Shooter's Hill it said seven miles to Dartford and that's the way we're going, in, in effect we walked in 12 miles and only got as far as Erie. Mm. So how comes the pilgrims did not go the most direct route. It is an interesting point, but I wonder whether those days of horse and carriage on the roads of those days might be the equivalent to us of a motorway nowadays. You know, we would rather not walk along the side of the edge of the motorway because of the speed and the noise of the traffic. Um, and, you know, in those days, perhaps that was the same. You know, the, a carriage was still very fast by comparison to the speed of walking. 
and you know and there's all the consequences of horses pulling it and what they leave behind that you might tread in i don't know maybe that was for them not the most favorable route when actually they could take a more picturesque route possibly even a safer route because you know there were days and I, again i don't know i'm not sure of my history around particular decades but there were days of highwaymen and and um you know th- those kind of dangers maybe on the road on that are those roads and the pilgrims wanted to take a um more picturesque route on the one hand but also it's interesting that the abbey is on that route and it might be that as we go along the pilgrims way we find that the route takes us to many churches because that would seem to me to be you know again in those days we walked 18 miles and we were exhausted and we would have needed a, a bed for the night in those days we needed somewhere to stay uh, and so i think the pilgrims were always looking for that place to stay it, i made the point didn't i that it's very interesting that wherever there's a church there's a pub <laughs> uh, and, and actually a lot of these pubs are very very old buildings they're ancient inns or they're on the site of an inn and again that might be relevant from the perspective of uh, pilgrims traveling um, from from one church or cathedral to another. Funny enough, I think the pilgrims started walking much, much earlier than horse and carriage. And if you look at the Ordnance Survey map of our walk, the one we were referring to, the A2, and I would suggest that's where the horse and carriage would have gone, is a straight road. And that is the reason why Dartford is only seven miles from Shooter's Hill. And in reality, we walk the long way round. And isn't it interesting when you don't have a map, how you just muddle your way through? I think that was a legacy of the Romans, wasn't it? They, they were really big into straight roads. Let's just go straight there from A to B as the crow flies. And therefore, you don't need a map when you know you're on the right road and you're heading in one direction and it's heading where you want it to go. You, there's no deviation. We needed a map in this case because unlike the South, the, uh, South Downs way, where we commented, didn't we, that you almost can't get lost on the South Downs way because there's so many really great signposts and it's obvious where you're going. Here, it was not at all obvious. The signposting was very challenging and in some cases non-existent and we needed a map. And isn't that true of business? You know, we all need a map of some kind in business. And unless you're looking at something like a franchise you know like uh, your building in your business this franchise opportunity to me the analogy there and i know i've just gone off track when you told me not to um, but the analogy there is it's a straight road it's it's a well-traveled road a franchise it should be a well-traveled route. It takes you straight to that destination. It's business in a box. It's a proven process. Um, and that's effectively why you would buy a franchise, because you've got a straight road to success. When you start up in business on your own, 
and you you know you're heading towards a destination you don't necessarily know the route and you're having to almost map and track your progress as you go and sometimes there's no map and you have to make it up as you go along and other times there is a map in the form of advice and guidance and mentoring and coaching and other support that's out there but you have to follow it and you often come off it and and find yourself having to seek that advice again or look at your business plan again and then try to come back to it. Do you think your roadmap really is your business plan or is that too simple? And actually, most people in business, I would say, don't really get the business plan out that much. No, they don't. Is the business plan a plan for them in business? I think the uh, business plan analogy for me is that it is uh, some kind of route map because it should create it should highlight your vision your values where you want your business to be but you're right you know for for many business plans they end up sitting in a drawer or gathering dust and I would encourage anybody in business who has a plan to make sure that's not in a drawer make sure it's open somewhere make sure it's alive that you can literally look at it like a map. And as you travel your journey month on month, always refer back to that and ask the question, are we on track? Are we, are we achieving what we set out to achieve? And one of the challenges for a lot of businesses that I meet is they only get chance to look at that map every, every year when the accountants come back to them with a set of accounts. And to their surprise, they've, you know, made a loss or a profit, um, but it's maybe not what they expected. But it's a surprise. It's a surprise because we're only looking at it once a year and we really need to be looking at that map and our results much more regularly than that to make sure we're on track. You know, at the the first part of our walk last week, I know Greenwich very well on the basis I've lived there all my life. However, I was really surprised, although I knew the area, how frequently I had to get the map out just to check we were going in the right direction. So if we align and link that to how we are in business, is it so surprising that so many businesses start going the wrong way? Although they know where they're going, generally, because they're not picking out their business plan, they're not heading in the right direction. Yes, I agree. Uh, The analogy I'd like to throw in here, and we've had feedback about our weird analogies, haven't we, Um, from some of our listeners, but it's a bit like sending a rocket to the moon. You know, NASA would report back and say that The rocket is off course 97% of the time, and yet it still makes it to the moon destination. And the reason why it makes it is because they are constantly applying course corrections. Yeah, that small adjustment in course correction. And for us, you know, we went off that map a couple of times. And the question was, how far off? had we gone before we realized we were off the map and we came back, turned around and went back and then rejoined the route again. So the question is, how 
often are you applying in your business these course corrections? It's okay to be off track. It's okay to set a target of £100,000 in sales this month, for example, and achieve 99000 The question is, at what point in the month did you know you were not going to hit the 100000 And at what point do you start applying the course corrections? Do you allow that difference to build up and that gap to cause you losses? Or do you start adjusting your strategy as early as you can? And as I ready. would actually say the true answer to that is most people know that they're not on track to achieve their target of £100,000, but they don't know what to be doing to get them back on track. And certainly when we were doing the Pilgrim's Way, we knew by the time we pulled out our map, we just needed to turn a little variation to the left or right to bring us back on track. Yes. Yes, And that's a great point. But can I just throw in here, and I really want our listeners to get this, is that we weren't walking this journey on our own. We were walking, you and I, side by side. And as we were walking along, we were discussing and debating all kinds of issues, mostly to do with business, sometimes to do with relationships and things like that. Um, but in the business conversations we were having, we were coming up with some amazing ideas and strategies and challenging each other on, uh, is your business on track, Michael? Is my business on track? And that is the key in all of this to encourage our listeners is, you know, when you and I take this time out of our business, completely in a different environment, which creates this wonderful creativity, we park, we leave everything behind and we're suddenly free for a day. (laughs) And in that freedom, we're able to discuss and debate different issues and different things And it's those things, I always go away and think, when I get back to the business, I'm going to change this. When I get back to the business, I'm going to do that instead. I'm going to try that because Michael tried it. It worked for him, you know, and and that's a real beauty of us doing this journey together and hopefully our listeners doing this journey with us um, and forming peer groups, forming collaborations forming a mentor relationship with people around us because it's that that holds us accountable and brings us back on track. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I would like to just say that During the time we've been doing various walks around the country, one of the things we realized is walking and talking is so, so powerful. So at this point, Simon, share with our listeners the conversation we had about peer-to-peer networking Yes. And how you captured, more importantly, our conversation. Because what we find is all too often you have this thought, you have this great idea, but by the time you get back to your business, 
You've forgotten the thread. Mm, exactly. And that's why both you and I have on our phones an app that can record um, any conversations that we have. And I've learned to my cost in a way when I haven't done it, that when I feel like I'm about to have an important conversation or that important conversation begins, I'm quickly grabbing my phone and just switching on that recording so that I can capture every word of it because we miss the key component parts otherwise. So recording some of the conversations that you have is a big tip for all of our listeners for a start. Um, but the conversation that we had was so fascinating because we were talking about the state of the economy, the state of the business world that it's in right now and how challenging it is. Probably the most challenging time in the whole of our history, you know, certainly in our lifetime anyway. And yet this has happened before. You know, we're talking about history and history repeats itself. And we were talking about the 1920s, 1930s, and the Great Depression, which was very impactful in America and also in the UK at that time. And how did businesses respond to that? How did they come through it and survive and thrive? And one of the fundamental things that was going on then was peer networks. And, and they called them their mastermind groups. We look at people like Henry Ford and Andrew Carnegie, and we find out that actually they formed mastermind groups as big as 50 or 60 people around them where they regularly got together and just talked about the environment they're in and the strategies they were applying, what was working, what wasn't working, and how they could help and support each other during those challenging times. And it's those groups that thrived, absolutely thrived. And I don't know whether the government have looked back in history, um, but they've come up with a new uh, way of funding help and support for businesses, which they're calling peer-to-peer -peer networks. And it's a brilliant initiative, I think. A lot of money is going into it. And I, and, and I encourage every listener to look that up, peer-to-peer -peer networks in their area, because they're literally in every county in England. Tell our listeners what is a peer-to-peer -peer network, because this formed quite a large part of our conversation as we walked and talked last week. Yes, so this particular initiative involves getting together 11 company directors, 11 business owners of businesses with five or more employees. That's this particular initiative. Um, so in other words, they're all uh, like-minded. They can't be competitors of each other. Um, so we're looking at businesses across a whole range of sectors in this group. And the idea then is we have a professional coach and facilitator who works with this group and gets them together um, fortnightly, for example, for maybe a couple of hours a fortnight over the next five or six months. And we work together, coming to that group, presenting you know, what's going on in my business right now. What are the challenges I face? What are some of the opportunities? Here's some of the things that I've done. Here's some of the things I'm really finding difficult right now. And all sorts of topics are coming up in these groups from 
homeworking and how we should we should deal with that to how I grow my sales, whether my marketing machine is working or not, what's the latest digital technology, et cetera, et cetera. And the way it works is that that business is presenting all these issues to the other 10. And now it's like having at your disposal for free a board of directors of 10 other businesses who are playing the same game you are to build their business, giving you good advice and guidance because they may have been there, seen it and got the T-shirt. And and then you get your chance then to support those 10 other businesses by giving back to them your advice, your ideas, your guidance when they're in the hot seat. And I just think it's such a brilliant way of us having the kind of conversations that you and I have about our businesses and really laying it on the table because it's a very lonely place otherwise as a business owner. And when we're operating on our own, we do not make as good decisions as we do when we've got the input from others. Tell us about the personalities you would find in a mentoring group or a peer-to-peer network group. Right across the board, really. Um, you know, we have, I don't know how to describe it, but it, I would say it's an eclectic group of uh, business owners. You know, some are very outward going, gregarious, you know, very clear about they, what they want and how they want to get there. And others maybe are less confident and need assurance and, and they, they're not sure of the way forward. And maybe they're a little bit timid. But the great thing about it, this is why you have a professional facilitator to run these groups, to make sure that everybody's included and we're running them and catering for everybody's needs and everybody's character, uh, making sure that everybody feels completely included and ultimately creating a safe place for us to lay some cards on the table. The group sign up to a confidentiality agreement You know, so everything's kept confidential. And in fact, in some cases where there might be something that's very sensitive, a business owner might come to the coach or facilitator and say, I want to put this on the table, but I really only want John, Fred and Bill to help me with it. And so, again, that's the beauty of it. That peer group can within it have subsections or sub peer groups that work more intensely together to help and support each other. And what falls out of that often is these businesses grow just by the very nature of the fact that they start doing business together, which they otherwise wouldn't even known about each other's existence. And they have a family network type of feel within that group, I guess. I know from, from what I've read about the mastermind group with, for example, Henry Ford, and Andrew Carnegie. And one of the key qualities within the group, and remember there was 59 at the height of their mastermind group. One of the qualities that operated openly was compassion, empathy. There were no wrong or rights in that group. And it was policed because that avoided conflict and aggression, and a different perspective. And on that basis, that givers gain 
And everyone came to the group to share, to help, to benefit others. I think you're hitting the nail on the head because you can imagine these people like Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, they were big egos, these guys. They had big egos. So to create an environment with 59 people that that felt safe, um, that was compassionate, that had empathy is incredible. And that is why these groups need to be facilitated, really, to make sure that that happens um, and and we create that environment because that's when businesses really will thrive. I know some years ago, Simon, we had a conversation about how you are helping business owners, entrepreneurs gain from a wealth of knowledge and experience because certainly when I started out in business, I had the passion, the enthusiasm and the commitment. But what I found when, when I went searching for the information, there were many, many gurus, but what I realized, they were also conflicting information. And the gurus that I thought were gurus really hadn't done it before. So tell our listeners about the King Summit, because this is a conference that you've been putting on for a number of years now, and each year it grows by consistently putting the show on. Despite COVID last year, you went virtual. And, you know, I have a great saying, when talent doesn't show up, Consistency beats talent every single time. So tell our listeners about the King Summit and what you're hoping to achieve this year. Yes, I agree with you, Michael. There are many gurus out there that talk about the theory of things, um, but the real nuts and bolts lie in this question of if you're in the world of business, are you actually in the game or are you on the periphery trying to just tell people how it should be done? And, and um, what the King's Summit is all about is making sure that the people all around the table are in the game. Um, you know, we've had uh, talk shows where we get some really amazing entrepreneurs on stage uh, across Kent who are sharing their success stories, how they overcame the challenges of where their business was and is now. And we've you know, seen some of those businesses grow three, four, 500% over the last three or five, three, three to four years. And um, it's incredible. So they are in the game. Their advice is invaluable. And what we do at the King's Summit is we have these sessions during the day where we're listening to what certain people are saying, but then we're breaking out into, if you like, peer groups in a sense, in that we're all sat around round tables with workbooks and actually then taking some time out to think, right, what I've just been told, how can I apply that in my business? Let me make some notes here. Let me fill in a SWOT analysis. Let me complete a plan. And then let me have some time to share that with a fellow entrepreneur in the room and be challenged on it to make sure that what I'm thinking And what I'm getting and receiving is something that I can apply in my business and will have an impact. And what the lovely thing about the King Summit over the years, it starts to create this legacy where entrepreneurs and business owners who come start to form their own 
uh, buddies, um, mentors, peer groups. Um, and we really want to encourage that this year. And we're going to, as a result of your and my conversation on the Pilgrim's Way, thank you so much for giving me the thoughts and the insights as to how we can make it really work for people that come. We're going to bring in the learnings from the peer-to-peer network and create an opportunity for people to create their own peer-to-peer network groups at the King Summit um, because we know how powerful that is. And those will be very practical sessions where people are able to identify other people that share their values and are able then to share their ideas and their thoughts in a safe environment and go away with the power of a network to build their business over the coming years. But for people listening to this podcast, break it down for them. In terms of it, well, the first thing they need to think about is, should I come? <laughs> uh, and they can check it out what the King's Summit is by going on to thekingssummit.com. When you type the King's Summit, it has two S's there, uh, thekingssummit.com. Have a look and see if it's for you. We really encourage you to come. We've got some really low ticket prices this year because the event is sponsored. It's held at the Kent Event Centre, so it's in the middle of Kent up at Detling. Really easy to get to and park for free. And, um, you know, being there is the first, the very first step, isn't it? You've got to show up. And if you show up, then you will get value from the day. And then we'll have an agenda and we'll walk you through the day. Uh, And it will involve, you know, an introduction, some listening to one or two concepts, uh, and then not for very long uh, before you're then up on your feet, walking around, meeting people, sitting down with someone, uh, making some notes about you know, what you've learned and what you can apply in your business and testing those ideas with people in the room. And we're also we've got a board up at the back there that's going to be our promotions wall. So we're going to encourage businesses that attend to send us in you know, a poster or flyer or something about their business because it might be that of the 300 other companies that are in the room, which is the number we're, we're hoping for, there might be a business in there that's looking for what you do. So behind the scenes, if you like, the hidden agenda is that this day should prove to be one of your best business development days of the year. You know, we've been locked in our rooms for too long now. Business people that I'm speaking to are itching to get out and to shake hands with someone and to see them face to face and to talk to them about their business, promote their business. And I think this will be a brilliant idea, uh, a, a brilliant way of doing that. And all within a safe environment because Kent Event Centre is geared up to be COVID safe uh, and all the normal you know, safety measures will be in place. So it'll be a really good environment in that respect. You have a special event code for the listeners of the Michael Crane.live podcast that they can type in and get a special price for the day with you. In short, I don't, Michael, but I'm open to coming up with something around that. Um, uh, we have made the ticket price so low really right now because thanks to our sponsors assets accountants 
who are, are you know stumping up a lot of the cost of running the event. Um, you're going to get some food. You're going to get some great information, uh, and and we're also looking to raise money for some Kent charities in that ticket price. So it's pretty much as low as it can go if people grab it now. It's like we've kept the early bird ticket price on there, uh, which is just under fifty pounds for the whole day, uh, which is half what it was the previous years. Am I right to say by attending the King Summit this year, you will be aligning it? with actually helping our listeners who wish to attend to build a peer-to-peer network. Yes, absolutely. They will go away with some amazing connections and contacts and a peer group that they can start to work with. Um, And and even they might have access to either the government peer-to-peer program or it might be an informal program. There's also another support program that's just being launched in Kent which provides one-to-one coaching for those businesses who would like to sit, actually sit down with a professional coach and work with them over 12 months. And that's fully funded. So there's some amazing uh, funded programs coming out from the government, which not everybody knows about. And it's difficult to put that information out there. So the King Summit is a really good environment to come and learn you know, what's going on in the business world, what's available to support and help me over the next 12 months because let's make 2022 a really good year for business 2020 was a real challenge for many 2021 also let's really get the foundation and the groundwork in place and the support around you as a business owner to get you through and uh, surviving and thriving in 2022 and onwards so as we wrap up today's MS monthly podcast show simon just share with our listeners how they can buy a ticket and what they need to do okay all they need to do is go on to thekingsummit.com click on book my ticket and then select the ticket of their choice Uh, they could email me at simon at simonteague.com and Teague is spelled T-E-A-G-U-E. They could email me if they're interested in having an exhibition stand because we've still got a couple of spaces for that. And, um, you know, uh, I've got some really good deals on that. But uh, thanks for allowing me to plug it, Michael. I, I do think it's important because for listeners on this podcast in particular, it would be just great to meet you guys. It would be great to be in the same room with you talking about your business, promoting your business and helping you to put some really strong foundations that have been proven in history to help other companies to thrive. The objective of the michaelcrane.live podcast, Simon, is to collaborate and share best practice when starting up, even if you're in business already, to really engage and motivate success Because all too often, as you know, because we've spoken about it a lot, entrepreneurs exist in a very lonesome fashion normally because they're visionary people and generally they go alone. But thank you for your time today. I hope our listeners have enjoyed today's session and we'll see you again next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Michael and Simon. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and follow us to hear the latest tips and secrets.